You're listening to a sermon from crckulaman.org. Hey, it's really good to be out here as always. So thank you for um, having me and always love just coming out and doing nothing or I love coming out to share the word, whatever happens. So today I have the opportunity to share with you. So uh, um, yeah, really good to, to be here. Um, last weekend we had our 50th anniversary celebrations of the Narandra Church which started back in 1969. Doesn't that sound like a long time ago? And so that was a great time. So thank you for those who were able to join us. Um, and thank you for those who just prayed with us and prepared, you know, for that time. So um, that's, just, that's just where I can see it. And so, so, <laughs> yeah, so no, I'll get used to it. It's all right. Yeah, I'll, I'll grow up and be a big boy and just get on with it. But, but um, the thing is, um, yeah, and what we felt really coming into the time, that's why I'm just taking a couple of minutes to share it with you today, is that we just felt like, yeah, hey, it's a celebration of Naranda as a geographic place, but we really felt like it was something that um, had regional significance because we're all in this together, aren't we? And so uh, we just really appreciated um, having everyone together. We appreciated having Dan and uh, our other guests, Anton and um, Chris and Jess, who came with him just to be with us. But um, just to say, look, one of the things, one of the things that... Um, was really significant. Well, there's a few things. One is uh, on the Saturday night, we had a number of responses for salvation. Uh, a number put their hands up, weren't quite game to come forward. Others responded and came forward. Um, and, uh, and, you know, as we got to talk with those people, pray with them, um, people were at different stages on their journey. Like, you know, many had started the journey in some ways, but it was just a significant time to respond and whatever. But, you know, interestingly, um, so, so there was... A number that sort of put hands up but didn't come up. But the, of the ones that come to the front, um, they um, there was uh, I don't want to say any names. So wanted, there was one person from uh, Coolerman, a really nice person from Coolerman, is with us today. So I just don't want to embarrass in case they um, anyway. It doesn't matter. I don't want to embarrass anyone by putting them out. Then we had a person from Hay who had begun the journey there in Hay, you know, like really just on the journey and uh, whatever. Then we had a, a person from Leeton who had sort of begun the journey uh, there from Leeton. Then we had a, a girl from Hay who had really drifted away from the things of God but came with her family. And, and so isn't that, isn't that, I reckon that's fantastic. I thought, hey, it's, um, and there was uh, a, a young person from uh, Griffith, from the Lysos Church in Griffith. So in a way, like it, I just thought it was representative of the whole regional thing, wasn't it? Like fruit for the region, if I can say it that way. And I don't mean that in any kind of, like every person, we just valued every person, appreciated every response. And there was a number of people that we followed up with afterwards, a few new people in church today who are really key people in town, just know a lot of people who would have been very, very hard to make the decision because they're so well known. Uh, three uh, in Narandra, the, the, fruit, the, the sort of responses in Narandra were... Um, uh, three people who, again, I'm not saying worth more than anyone else. You know what I'm, you know where I'm coming from. We're saying the three people would have been very hard because they're very visible people in our community. But it was uh, when that happens, it people mean it, don't they? Like it, they really step forward. And so, uh, anyway, I just want to say it was just a really significant time for us, and I believe for our region. And so, thanks for being part of that. And I just wanted to, I guess, share that with you and say that. Um, you know, feel like it's it's just as we expected. It's no surprise we were expecting coming into it that it wasn't just an anniversary weekend, but it was just a, an opportunity to just, uh, I guess, enter into a new season. Or I don't know it doesn't sort of even seem like a new season. It just seems like one one of the ways I describe it, and I don't want to get sidetracked, but one of the ways I do describe it is the groundswell. And I'm sure I've shared it here with you before, and you've heard that word a bunch of times. But um, it comes 
in my mind, it's sort of the picture is um, when I was at boarding school one time, we went out to uh, at Yanko Ag. I was at Yanko Ag. Sorry, my head's just spinning saying, Trevor, don't get distracted. Like, you know, just tell it, tell it quickly. But I think it's a bit of a Holy Spirit distraction. So um, I'll just share it with you. But um, I was at Yanko. We're on the, on the river there at the school. For me, that was a significant time because I came to the Lord in year 10 there uh, with a bunch of other guys. And so they were having this camp out by the river um, in a property adjoining the, the school grounds. And they're deciding the river was about to flood, the Murrumbidgee River was about to flood. And so they're deciding, do we, do we go out and camp or don't we, you know, whatever. And so the river's getting up near the edge of the banks and they decided to go out and, um, and to have the camp. So we're probably, I'm just guessing like from memory, it'd be something like 500 metres from the, from the river. So it's not like we're right on the riverbank. We're out in the bush there, um, in the reserve, out near Yeroli Bridge, if that means anything to anybody. And so we're there in the, in the bush. And what's happening is around the tents where we're setting up, the water's kind of starting to bubble up. It wasn't oil, Texas tea or anything like that. It was water just bubbling up from under the ground. So the river hasn't sort of come up over the bank and flooding towards us like a torrent. What's happening is there's this groundswell that's rising, you know, under the ground. And it's like, well, the water was always there and it just surfaces here and surfaces there and surfaces there. And then as it rises a little more, it all comes together and becomes like a flood, if you know what I mean. Is that, is that all right? Yeah, is that, is that good? I said it quick, but you know, it sort of paints a picture. And to me, that's a real a picture. So in the different towns, different places, the different ways, the different lives that God is touching, you know, as each one, you know, there's a bit of water rising, bit of water rising, bit of water rising. Because sometimes I think we're standing back waiting for the banks to burst and for this flood to come rushing over. Um, I sometimes talk about, you know, is revival when you turn up at the door of the church and there's a thousand new people there. But I don't know, that makes the pastor tired thinking about that one so uh so because you know like you think oh man you know that would be good would it be i don't know but you know but what you really want is you want this sort of groundswell don't you You just want the holy spirit just to have an agenda in people's lives and just drawing people and just working and he's doing that in my life he's doing it in your life and then he's doing it in people that are are new to faith or whatever so anyway wherever you're at in your journey get excited because i think it's a great time to be alive and it's a great time to be part of his church and it's a great time to be serving god and it's a great time to be part of Coolum and churches okay beautiful all right so that's uh that's terrific thank you for that um i just had a uh a couple of words um, to pray for some people. Um, one of them was, uh, the word came to me was a heart, um, an irregular heartbeat. Now I know, maybe it's common, I don't know. You sort of hear like palpitations and all these different words, but the word that really clearly came to me was an irregular heartbeat. Is there anybody who, um, who at the moment or is experiencing or has experienced an irregular heartbeat that we can just pray for you um, this afternoon? Yeah. Got the right? Yeah. Okay, so can we pray for you? Is that okay? Do you mind if we pray for you? Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah, we can give it a, give it a minute and see if there's anyone else. Okay, you know, like when, when God reveals something and we pray, whatever, whatever condition you might have or be facing challenge with, you know, you're just saying you're just saying yes to God yourself as well. So take a hold of it for yourself. Um, and so, um, all right. So then, as you, uh, if you're believing for something for yourself, then just just agree with the prayer. It's a prayer for healing, and so just to release healing in whatever need you might have. And I've just got something else I'll share with you in a minute. Um, Father, I thank you. For-
But we just speak to her heart and we just tell her heart to function right to um, whatever is causing and at the root of the irregular heartbeat, we command it to be made right and to function normally. For every muscle and every part of the functioning of the heart, it's to be strengthened and is to, to, uh, to come to wholeness and completeness and to, uh, to function right. We thank you for a great testimony of your healing touch and your healing power released today. Father, we thank you for wholeness and for a miracle that is needed right now in Jesus' name. We thank you for a good report that will bring glory to your name only. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let us know if you're able to tell in some way. Or Is that all right? Yeah, all right. Will you just, whenever you have your next you know, check or whatever you do, you just let us know, okay? But we'd love to hear, mainly because we just want to celebrate with you or just give God thanks. Is that, is that okay? So you let us know. How that works. All right, beautiful. Well, it's amazing what, what can change. It can stop and be made whole. Hey, all right, that's great. Um, the other thing I just had was, um, was, was uh, someone has blood pressure, but I know people often do. I was thinking actually it was really unusual. Someone's got blood pressure, maybe it's just recent. You thought, that's really unusual for me. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking someone's, uh, you, know, you know, just had a, um, a report of blood pressure, but it's really unusual. Some people have a... And if you've had it all your life or whatever, we're happy to pray into that as well. Absolutely, you take a hold of it. But what I was thinking specifically was someone who's, uh, who's got a blood pressure issue at the moment and it's really unusual. So they're maybe trying to get to the bottom of it or something's caused it. Is there anyone? Is that okay? Is that all right? We just pray with you too. Can Anna, can you and um, Joan or just someone who's nearby, you don't mind if a couple of ladies just lay hands on you. Is that all right? Okay. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Oh, Lord, you're, you're a God who loves us to be whole. Um, Lord, we were even just sharing this morning how you, you just delight in, um, you want well with us. Lord, you want us to be well. You want wellness to be our experience, not just physically, but in every way, Lord, you're interested in our well-being. And we thank you, Lord, today for healing and wholeness. I pray uh, that the blood pressure would come to normal and that whatever is causing it to be out of normal, whatever the unusual circumstances are, if there's other infirmity and other things that need to be made whole for that to happen, then we just believe for a complete touch of healing and wholeness to be uh, experienced and portion today. Just pour out your love. Um, we just speak to the blood system and the, the whole uh, uh, whatever causes it just to function right and to come into wholeness uh, for your glory. Lord, we thank you in Jesus' name. And Lord, just for other areas, um, Lord, just where people have just reached out to you as we've been praying and said, yes, Lord, uh, to receive the healing that they have need of, we thank you for releasing healing today. Even as we preach the word and share the word and speak the word, Lord, into uh, this group of people, Lord, may your word carry with it healing, uh, healing power, healing authority. May the healing balm of Jesus' name just flow this, this afternoon, Lord, and touch every life in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. That's really great. Um, I was thinking as we were sitting there, uh, our original, and maybe this is just me, you know, because of the sentimentality of a 50th anniversary, but I was thinking of our original pastor. He used to preach um, a sermon or used to always bring into, it wasn't like a sermon, it was just something he used to bring in quite often was, he used to say, um, 
that the name of Jesus is above every name. And then he'd say, sickness is a name. You know, depression is a name. And I mean, just, just, just the whole things. You know, poverty is a name or whatever. And he wasn't about like everyone get rich and be a millionaire. But he was just talking about whatever the need is, like it's a name. And the name of Jesus is above every name. You know, there's like, so in a sense, a name is like an authority, isn't it? The name is something that tries to influence or take up uh, a throne. So do you know what I mean? So authority is about taking up an enthronement. And we can give enthronement in our hearts to things that um, that just they just want to they just want to take a place of prominence if you know what I'm talking about and so it's hard to put to words sometimes but I think you get it like there are things that we just give place to in our life that just have no place they're like a trespasser you know if I've got a trespasser who wants to come onto my property and is convincing enough you know then no put the gun away but um, <laughs> get behind me <laughs> Trevor just shut up and get on with it. Um, so the thing is. Um, you know, like, like if they can convince you, then they can sort of take ground that's not yours. Is that right? So um, I've got all sorts of funny illustrations, but my, my father's got a farming property, right? And so occasionally you renew the boundary fence. And there's always this sort of sense now, I hope you don't creep six inches, like take a bit of my land, you know what I mean? So you're trying to do a survey and just make sure, well, you don't really do that, but you know, you're kind of just making sure that the boundary's where it should be. Because otherwise someone can convince you and they can take ground you know what I mean? They can take ground that they're never entitled to. But if you don't know your own entitlement, if you don't know your authority, and someone can bluff you, and that's what the enemy does. He's got no authority. He uses lies. He uses bluff. I tell you, he's very good at it. Let's give him a little bit of credit, but let's not talk about him for too long this afternoon. But the Bible does say, be aware your enemy is going around like a roaring lion. It's not saying about being frightened. It's not saying about giving him too much prominence. It's just saying be aware. Just realize. And when you realize, when you're aware, what you realize is that he has no authority. That's what you realize. And so when the trespasser comes and you realize you're confident that you've got the land title for your place, you're confident what that means, you're even confident about how to enforce that if you need to, although in reality, you really need to enforce it. Is that right? I, don't think, I haven't had to go to court and sort of say to somebody, get off my land. I just kind of walk out the front and look at someone funny. If I don't know what they're here for, you just look at them funny and they say, oh, I'm just reading the meter and then they show you their yellow shirt and their whatever and so you just watch them to make sure they're telling you the truth and they go to the meter and read it and leave. If They probably are the meter reader if that's what they do. But the thing is, that's authority, isn't it? And so the name of Jesus is above every name. The name of Jesus is, um, you know, that every, well, it's, it's what we have to carry. So we carry the banner of his name. We're, we're, we're moving forward in the banner of his name. Hey, I was, um, you know, planning to speak about the promise of the Holy Spirit. But that took me to uh, a couple of chapters in the book of John that I so often refer to. And I find myself in many sermons these days, I find myself just quickly referring to, oh, John 14, 15, 16, 17, and make a few comments and then go back to the sermon. But what I felt really challenged about today, this afternoon, was that as I was preparing, I'm going to talk about the promise of the Spirit, I actually felt to stop at John 14, 15, 16, 17, and talk about the couple of verses that I usually refer to in a big hurry, all right? So that's what we're going to do, and then we'll have afternoon tea. Does that sound good? So if you want to, we'll start in John chapter 14, and what I've got here is there's a few patch, uh, passages, just two or three kind of verse passages that are spread through John chapter 14, 15, 16, 17. 
And they've been so helpful to me over the years. So I want to just share these couple of passages with you. We won't read all through these chapters, but I'll just share them with you. I've got them highlighted here in yellow because they're just they're so encouraging to me and they're standout verses in these chapters that if you wanted to, if you've got a highlighter, get ready like and highlight them because they'll help you. Or just get ready to mark a square around them because I promise you, Um, and I don't sort of do this very often, but I promise you that they'll be helpful to you as you go along. Because here's the context, right? Here's the context. Um, Jesus was beginning to tell the disciples that he was not going to be with them anymore, right? So woven through these chapters, he's beginning to say, well, um, not in these words exactly, but he's saying, I'm going to leave you, all right? So then they're getting a bit worried about this, like, okay, what's that going to look like for us? So the verses that I want to read out to you, they're verses where he is reassuring them. And and some of the similar couple of words in each of these little passages is words like, I will not leave you comfortless, you know, but I will send the comforter. Now, depending on your translation, some say comforter, some say helper. If uh, If you're in the older translations, they have the capital, which really means like if you write a capital, it's actually referring to a person, a title or something. So it's the helper capital H, because it's talking about someone. A capital C, the comforter, because it's talking about someone. Who is the someone? The Holy Spirit, okay? So he's saying to them, hey, now we start at verse uh, chapter 14. This is not one of those passages, but this just gives you the context of what these chapters are beginning to cover. So chapter 14 and verse 1, are you ready? So we'll just be working through these next couple of chapters a bit. Chapter, chapter 14, verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, this is in red if you've got a red letter Bible. It's Jesus talking, all right? And he says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. Now, we do often read these at a funeral, don't we? And, that, that, and there's good reason for that. Like These are very encouraging words, aren't they? Because they begin to paint a picture of, yes, Jesus is going to leave, but no, he won't leave you comfortless. And in the end, he will return. And when he returns, even that's going to be a positive thing for you. But what he's trying to say to them even now is that his leaving is a positive thing. All right, His return will be a positive thing, but his leaving will be a positive thing. So I'll show you that in a minute. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. Then Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going and how we can know the way. And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so Jesus was beginning to prepare them for when he would be crucified, when he'd be put into a tomb, when he would rise from the dead, where he would ascend to the Father, and then he would uh, he promised to return again, that we could be with him forever. Isn't that a beautiful thing that we have to look forward to? We talk about hope. You know, I think hope in every situation we face is that God will take us through. But the ultimate hope is that no matter what happens in this life, we have the promise of eternity with him. Isn't that a, a good thing? And that's a great, a great hope for us that nothing else can waver. 
If we look at, uh, in, so we won't turn there, but in Luke chapter 10, you know, he was sending out a few and then he was sending out a few more. And then I think it says he sent out 50 or uh, depends which translation. One says 50 or 52. So he sent these people out. This is in Luke 10. And he's sending them out to, to uh, take, the, take the good news, if you like. And so then he, when they came back, they said to him, he was debriefing with them. And they, he came back, they came back and they said, hey, uh, you know, um, even, even the demons were subject unto us in your name. So they'd had this fruitful trip, ministry trip. They'd seen people set free. They'd seen some amazing things happen. And Jesus said to them this. He said to them, um, he said, uh, uh, I, um, I'm trying to think of the exact wording, but he, look, he, he was really saying to them, I'm not surprised at what's happened. He says, I, um, what's the word, rejected Satan. I've defeated Satan, you know, whatever. Um, and he said, um, all, all authority, I think he says there, anyway, it says that, that he defeated Satan, so don't, it's no surprise that the demons are subject unto you in my name, there's my name again. And he says, but, but let your joy be in this, that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. I've done that very clumsily because I didn't want to get distracted and turn to it. But basically he's debriefing with them. He says, hey, that was a really good trip. Yep, lots of good things happened. But you know what? Don't put your joy in that. Put your joy in the fact that your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. We have many great experiences in this life. We, 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 what I'm getting at even today is that we can see God do incredible things through our life, through our ministries, and we're all in ministry. Who's in full-time ministry? Put your hand up. All right. I'm not trying to be cheeky or make them feel uncomfortable, but really I want us all to put our hand up because wherever you are, you're in full-time ministry. I know what we mean. Oh, who's in full-time ministry? Oh, yeah, well, I'm paid to be full-time in ministry, and I know that's what we mean. But can I ask it the other way now, not so tricky? Who's in full-time ministry? Put your hand up. Thank you. I won't look around and see if anyone's being rebellious today. But, um, but yeah, so we're all in full-time ministry because wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we're just serving the Lord and that's what ministry means. But, so we have this amazing life, but ultimately our joy is established. The greatest joy of all, the greatest hope of all is established upon the fact that our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that we've received Jesus, we've received His forgiveness, we've received His love, We've entered into a relationship with God through Jesus. Even though we're imperfect, we receive his forgiveness and his love and we can have relationship with God. Isn't that beautiful? I think that's beautiful. And that's what it says. That's our source of joy and that's our source of hope. So here um, we, we go on a little bit then. So he's beginning to tell them that uh, don't let your heart be troubled. troubled. You know, um, you know and, and then he begins to say, so we get over to, here's the first passage, um, verse 15 of chapter 14, verse 15 to 18. So if you want to get your highlighter or mark your first lot, that's the first square. And if you've got uh, a Bible, if you've got a Bible like mine, then it's got a little heading there. Jesus promises another helper. So it says this in verse 15. If you love me, keep my commandments. Now, he's not really saying like, sometimes we can read that a bit awkwardly and say, oh, well, you know, if you really love me, it's almost like a bribe, isn't it? You know? Like a, a wife can say to the husband, if you love me, you'll do up the bathroom. I'm in big trouble if that's the case because Sandra's been asking me to do up the bathroom for quite a while. Um, but she never said to me, you know, I'll love you if you do up the bathroom or if you love me, you'll do up the bathroom. But, but what this is saying is it's not like that kind of bribery. It's actually saying, you know, what will be a reflection of our relationship? 
what will, be, what will flow out of our relationship of love. He loved us first. Is that right? So then we love him in response. And if we experience him in that way and we enter that love relationship, what will happen is it won't be like do my commandments or else. It'll be we'll actually want to do his commands because we'll love him and we'll love what he loves and we'll want to do his commands. And he says, if you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper, capital H here, and he may abide that he may abide with you forever, even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. Now, he's not saying that no one else can receive him. He's really saying that the Holy Spirit is for those who are followers of me, that anyone can be a follower. So therefore, anyone can receive Jesus and anyone can then ultimately receive the Holy Spirit. Is that right? So he says, um, I will send the Holy Spirit. Um, he's the spirit of truth and he will, uh, he will dwell with you and he will be in you. That's pretty good, isn't it? He will dwell with you and he will be in you. All right, now if we jump down to uh, verse 25, same chapter, verse 25 and 26. And he just says this, These things I have spoken to you while being present with you. But the Helper, again, capital H, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. Beautiful, isn't it? Now, he is the spirit, before it said he's the spirit of truth. Well, you know, he's the spirit of revelation. You know what revelation is? Well, it's described a couple of ways. Even hidden in the word is the word reveal, isn't it? So the spirit of revelation, he'll reveal things. He'll help you to see things. He'll help you to not just know stuff, but he'll help you to see stuff. Is that right? You'll really see it. Another thing about revelation is the idea of a light coming on, something being enlightened, something being lit up. Is that right? That you can actually becomes becomes visible, becomes available even. See, when you have revelation, it goes from being knowledge, something that you know and can pass the test about, to something that you can experience in your life, something that becomes real in your experience. Is that right? So it's revealed to you. It's revelation and it becomes real in your experience. So the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he'll teach you all things. And then it says, so he'll help you to to know and to understand and to learn. He's the ultimate teacher. You know, some people have a good gift, don't they, of being a teacher. You find that when they expound things, when they talk about things, there's just something about the way that it brings clarity to what you're trying to learn and trying to understand. Is that right? And so the Holy Spirit is the ultimate teacher. What he will do is he will take truth and he will just help you to grasp it in a way that you can put it into practice. Because in, in the end, that's ultimately what teaching is about. Teaching is not really ever about just learning for the sake of learning. You know, a good teacher um, is someone who can teach people 
in a way that they take the information and see the usefulness and the application of that which they learn into their daily life. Is that right? So a student even at high school, you know, one of the complaints that many of the, teachers, uh, many of the students have at times is they're learning maths and they say, why will I ever use this algebra? Why will I ever use this or that? Why will I ever use surds? Why will I ever use... I'm trying to impress you with my math knowledge, but that's about as far as it goes. I can't go any further. But anyway, so you're learning all this stuff and you're thinking, man, when will I ever put this into practice? And then one day you become an engineer and you think, man, I wish I'd listened a bit more to my math teacher. Is that right? Oh, I used to, we used to do history and I shouldn't tell you too much about it, but I was a naughty boy for our history teacher. Uh, this was before year 10 when I got saved, all right, before then. Um, one time, I'm embarrassed about this, but one time a few of us as students, we, um, we felt like this guy wasn't giving us enough marks for our history exam, and so we, we, we established this group called the AJC Committee, which was the anti-Jew committee, because we thought he was a Jew and not giving out marks, and so we deliberately became like a, a thorn in his side. And uh, I'm ashamed as I tell you about that, because it's embarrassing, but we just became these really difficult students, and then I used to think, history, why would I ever want to learn history? Well, you know... When I got saved and then became a pastor, I thought, man, I wish I'd taken more notice of history. I really love history. I love looking back and seeing the different, you know. And this guy, he used to always talk about church history. And oh, he was just a religious nut. He was always talking about, oh, I wish I'd listened a lot more in that class. Because that stuff was actually really a lot more interesting than I thought it was at the time. Do you get what I'm saying? But what a teacher can do, a good teacher, a good teacher somehow conveys the idea that this is worth learning. This is going to help you. It may help you. It could help you. This has got some application to your life. Hey, take this in and learn it. Is that, do you get what I'm talking about? Is that all right? Or you just wish supper would hurry up? How you going? All right. So this is it. So he's saying the Holy Spirit will teach you. I don't know. Like, yeah, we want the Holy Spirit to give us goosebumps. And we love it when someone, you know, gets touched by the Holy Spirit and has a time lying down, which is really very legitimate and beautiful time. Often God just does work in people's hearts. But you know what he'll do? Just in your everyday life, he'll help you to learn. He'll help you to take stuff and make it not just religious information, but stuff from the scriptures or stuff from, you know, just from what God wants to teach you and show you that will actually be something that you can take and you can apply it to your life and you can live it out in your life. Because after all, who wants to be a doer of the word? Who wants to actually put it into practice? Who wants, just to be, who wants to just be able to pass religious exams? No way. I want to be able to live it out, don't you? Yeah? Hillary's cheering for me up the back. She's got it, don't you, Hillary? Because you know, there's no point just learning stuff for no reason, is there, Hillary? Do you agree or not? Or am I telling nonsense? Preach it. Thank you. Thank you. So this is cool. This is like, I've got my new orange Father's Day shirt on. I'm on fire today, all right? So yeah, that's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So... So anyway, the thing is this, that the Holy Spirit will teach you. He'll help you to learn. He'll help you to know how to take the Scriptures and how to put it into practice and how to give application, but more than that, how to do it truthfully. See, if you will listen to the Holy Spirit and if you'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, He will tell you when you're going off track a bit. He will prompt you when you're starting to apply things in a way that's not helpful to you and to others. It's good, isn't it? Don't you need that? Don't you need that? And so, hey, be open and say, Holy Spirit, I need you. I want to learn. I'm hungry to learn. I want you to teach me. But I want the Holy Spirit to teach me. 
And I don't know about you, but we all come from all sorts of backgrounds. We all come from all sorts of family backgrounds, religious backgrounds, all sorts of experiences that we've had. And it's amazing what truth gets entrenched in our life. But what the Holy Spirit is able to do, the Holy Spirit is able to uproot things that are not helpful and right, and he's able to displace them with things that are good. Now, that doesn't mean we just live this gullible life where we just keep shifting from one thing to another. You know, I often think about this. I think about, I want to be a person who lives with conviction. That I actually take on some truth and I live with conviction. But I always want to have room for, um, for the Holy Spirit to come and reshuffle the filing cabinet a bit. To give me a bit different perspective on things. You know what I mean? I don't want to be so locked in to what I think I know that I can't actually learn some new stuff. So if you want to go to sleep now, just take this one thing on. That be open to the Holy Spirit to always be able to reshuffle the filing cabinet a bit. Don't be someone who lives with no filing cabinet, all right? If you're just going to have this messy tray that something else just keeps coming to the top, keeps coming to the top, what you'll do is you'll follow every religious fad that's going on and you'll be drawn this way and that way and you'll just be tossed and torn and you won't know which way to go. But, you know, get a filing cabinet. Say, these are some of the convictions that I want to live my life by. These are some of the principles that I know are really important. And I want these things to be a foundation in my life. I want these truths to undergird my life. You know, one of those would be love. You know that if you actually take love as a priority in your life, then everything else built around that. You know, the word, the authority of the word. Well, it takes a little bit to understand, well, what does that really mean? Okay, what, what do I take literally and what do I need to look at the context of it and apply it to my life? There's a bit of a journey. But if you start off and say, you know what, I'm going to trust the word and I'm going to make it a quest to, to, to look into the word and to make the word like a foundation for my life. There's a few things like that. If you make them principles, then they become the filing cabinet. But there's always room, isn't there, for, for Jesus to shift our thinking, for his word to just readjust some stuff, his word to just shift our priorities a little bit, his word to remove some things that maybe we had them wrong along the way. And, you know, and now it's time to just kind of make some adjustment in our life. Is this all okay? And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Jesus was saying, don't worry, because, you know, why? What was, he? what was he to them? He was the teacher, wasn't he? He was the one, he was the rabbi, he was the teacher. He was the one who would come and spend time with them and the disciples that were really hungry, he'd go to the top of the mountain and those who could be bothered would follow him to the top of the mountain. You know, those who just wanted the miracles and the bread, well, they'd all gather in a multitude. He loved them, he'd heal them and he'd feed them. But then he'd go to the top of the mountain and those who were really keen and hungry to learn, the real disciples would follow him to the top of the mountain and they'd sit with him there for hours and he would just teach and instruct and share things with them. And now he's going to go. How can we learn? Who's going to teach us now? He said, don't worry. Don't worry. I won't leave you on your own. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And you know what the Holy Spirit will do? He's going to be in you. Not just with you. He's going to be in you. Why did he say that? I dare say he was trying to make the point that, well, when you're with me, that's a good thing. But when the Holy Spirit comes, that's going to be better because he's actually going to be in you. I'm just with you. He's going to be in you. Does that make sense? And so that's going to be better. And he's going to teach you. And then the other part of this, which flows out of that is, and I often find myself praying this, that he will bring to remembrance the things that you've, one translation says the things that you've learned. This one says the things that I said to you, but the things you've learned. Do you know that if you get the word into you, if you're learning and listening to the word, then what happens is it becomes like the tools that the Holy Spirit can then use to bring it to remembrance in your conversations. 
you know, you bring it into remembrance. I used to always think, oh, if I'm talking to someone, you know, what, what if I can't think of the right things to say, you know? What if I, but, but I've realized now that as I've got the word into my life and I, I keep getting the word into my life, that actually when I'm talking to someone, the Holy Spirit will help me. The Holy Spirit, the helper, the comforter. A word comes into your mind and you're able to share it. And then you say, wasn't that clever? Who knows clever rhymes with Trevor? So, so, um, so therefore, um, sorry, sorry, sorry. Oh, wise and prudent. That's right. Yeah, Trevor. Oh, Trevor means wise. Have I ever told you that? Okay, good. Um, I've told my kids so many times they don't believe me anymore. But anyway, so the thing is, um, he, uh, he rings the remembrance. So when you're talking, when you're thinking about something in your situation or when you're having conversation with somebody else, what he'll do, the Holy Spirit, he'll bring to remembrance a word, a scripture, you know? And I want to, to honour Dom because I said this the other day in Naranda and he wasn't there and I talked about him behind his back, so now I want to talk to him while he's here. But what I said is one of the things that people tell me all the time about Dom, they say it about Beery as well and about others, but Dom is, they said just whenever we're talking with Dom, he always kinds of brings a scripture up that fits the situation. Anybody found that? Anyone talk to, anyone talk to Dom? Does anyone talk to Dom? So, so when you t- Pearl, do you talk to Dom today? Um, so when you talk to Dom... You know, like what happens is he'll be talking away and talking about the situation. He'll bring a scripture up into the situation. And, oh, he must learn a lot of scriptures. No, he understands something. He understands that the Holy Spirit, now he has read a lot of scriptures and he's loved the word. So it's inside of him. But what happens is now the Holy Spirit will bring that word. That's just the right one to share with somebody who's asking about how to, how to find a way through a situation. Do you know what I mean? And so, uh, isn't that a beautiful thing? All righty. Now, I did get bogged down on that one a little bit, but I'll be quicker with the others. There's a couple more. Jump over to chapter 15. Um, in fact, what I'll do, sorry, is I'll, I'll go down to 16. Can I come back? Am I allowed to go out of order? Is that, is that permissible? So, 16 verse... I'm out, I'm out of order. <laughs> oh, yeah, they are. That's true. Good. They're sticking up for me. Thank you. That's right. 16 verse 7 says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is, your, it is to your advantage that I go away. Oh, here he is. He's explaining to them about he's going to leave them. He's encouraging them and comforting them about what he's going to do and that the Holy Spirit's going to come and the Holy Spirit's actually going to be here and he'll help you to do everything I've done. But here he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. It goes on to say a few more things there. But isn't that interesting? He's actually saying it will be an advantage to you that I go because when I go, the Holy Spirit will come and actually that's going to be better. So he wasn't even really saying, well, don't worry, you know, when I go, oh, well, I'll send something to help you, like the Holy Spirit. He's actually saying it's going to be better. It's going to be better. When I go, hey, I'm here with you. I enjoy having fish with you. I enjoy having a meal. I enjoy teaching you. I enjoy preparing you. You know, so that you can keep the, keep the um, well, basically establish the church and keep the things going that I've been given authority to do. I'm going to pass the baton on to you and you keep that going. Is that right? But he says, but it's actually going to be an advantage because I'm going to go back to the Father. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And this is the, what the Holy Spirit will do. And it will be better. It will be an advantage. So back to verse 26 of chapter 15. And I'm nearly done, guys. Back to uh, verse 26 of chapter 15. It says, but when the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. He will testify of me. Now, what happens to testify? 
If I testify, what am I doing? You, you tell me that. If I'm, sorry? Not exactly, but similar word, but not exactly. If I'm testifying, if I'm giving testimony or I'm testifying or I'm a witness at court and I'm testifying, what am I doing? Giving evidence? And am I, am I giving evidence of what I've seen and experienced? And so he's saying here that when the Holy Spirit comes, he's going to testify of Jesus. In other words, the Holy Spirit will actually reveal Jesus to you in a way that is even greater and more significant and more detailed than living alongside him. You know, and sleeping and eating and learning and walking and watching. They learned a lot from him. We often think back and say, wow, I really envy the disciples. Wish I was there. What Jesus would say to us is, don't envy them because you don't need to envy them because what they experienced was just me in the flesh. But what you experience now is me inside of you, my spirit inside of you. So he says, don't envy them. Now, again, we get it. Like, Wouldn't it be nice to be there and have a meal and have a chat in person? We get that because that's the level that we enjoy things, isn't it? We enjoy that. I enjoy being with people. I enjoy chatting. I enjoy having a meal together. Is that right? So we enjoy that. You're shaking your head. You don't believe that I like talking to people, right? <laughs> yeah. He was shocked by that statement. He was shocked by that. Um, <laughs> but the thing is this. Jesus is saying, you know what? The Holy Spirit's going to come and he's going to talk about me. He's going to show you me. He's going to reveal about me. Well, what? We've just been with you all this time. No, no. You're going to really get to know me. You're going to really get to know me when the Holy Spirit comes because he's going to be inside of you and he's going to show you so much more about me than what you can get with your physical senses because he's going to be inside of you. I don't need to say much more about that, do I? We get that. You know, those of us who have been married a lot of years, we get that because we're still learning things about the person that we're doing life with, aren't we? Yeah, if Sandra was here, she'd say absolutely. But we're still learning things because, you know, there's only so much you can learn when you're doing life and when you're relying upon what you see and what you hear and what you feel. But when that person lives inside of you, you know, uh, there's another place where, and I don't want to get sidetracked, but there's another place where Paul says, I think it's Paul, he says, um, he says, who knows what's inside a man but the spirit of a man? You know, so you can't know another person as well as your own spirit knows you. And then he says, but you know what? You have my spirit. I put my spirit inside of you. And so you know, you can know what I have for you. So who can know a man but the spirit of a man? But he says, but you have the spirit of God that you may know. That's what the, the passage says, talks about. It says that you may know what I have in store for you. And you know what I've got for you and whatever. Because I'm living inside of you, not just a person with you. And so here he says, I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he'll testify of me. All right. What if I told you this was the last one? One more. You'll be happy? Psalm, uh, Psalm, John 16, verse 13 to 14. So this is the other one. John 16, 13 to 14. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. Pretty cool, eh? Pretty cool. And so he's saying um, what we've already talked about a fair bit. Spirit of truth, when he's come, he'll guide you into truth. Um, what I shared uh, this morning, 
totally different message, but I talked about this word guide, how, how the Father offers to guide us. And I think I may have shared it here last time when I was here about this too, but um, I'll just uh, finish with this uh, explanation of what it is to guide. He'll guide us into all truth. You see, this word guide really means that he will, he will not only explain it to you, but what he'll do is he'll accompany you on the journey to experience it. So a guide... I always use the example of the tourist centre at Narandra. Um, if I went to the tourist centre and I said to the guys um, in there, which way to the koala reserve? Well, they'd get out their map and their highlighter and they'd sort of mark where you are and they'd mark where the koala reserve is and they'd show you exactly where to go and you'd have a 95% chance of finding it and getting there unless the gates are locked at the common. But if, uh, if it wasn't, you'd get there, right? And so, but what that, guide, what that word guide means, if they were to really guide you, it would be not just give you the map, not just come out the front of the tourist centre and sort of point that corner and that corner. What they would do is they'd come and they'd hop in the car with you and they'd say, hey, here's the map. This is where we're going, but let me come with you and make sure you get to where you're going. And that's what that word guide means. He will guide us. The Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. What is he actually doing? He's actually there with us, taking the journey with us. No wonder, no wonder before Jesus ascended, he gave the Great Commission. And he said, all authority is given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them what all things that I've commanded you. You know, whatever he's saying, everything that I have been given authority to do, I now pass off and give authority to you to do. And so you go and do that. And lo, I am with you always. Because why? Because he was going to ascend. The Holy Spirit was going to come. And the Holy Spirit would do all those things and more that we looked at there today. Hey, um, Jesus also said to them, he said, these things and greater will you do because, because how's it finished, that verse? Because I go to the Father. Is that right? It's a bit similar to what we've been talking about, isn't it? These things and greater. So they've been watching Jesus, thinking, wow, I wish I could do what he could do. He says, hey, guys, don't be jealous, you know. Didn't quite say that. But, you know, these things and greater will you do because I go to my Father. Does it make sense? Now it does. Because what is he saying? When I go to the Father, I'm going to send the Helper. I'm going to send the Comforter. And he won't only be with you, but he'll be in you. So these things and greater. What you saw Jesus do, when you read the Gospels, you don't have to read the Gospels and think, wow, you know, wish I could do that. You can read the Gospels and say, Jesus said these things and greater. Now, again, it's not about you, and it's not about imitating in the sense of imitating the actions, but imitating the heart. You know, Paul said, imitate me. In 1 Corinthians 11, 1, he said, imitate me as I imitate Christ. So it's not wrong to imitate, but what he's saying is not to do it the same, time, the same way, spit in the dirt and put in everybody's eyes who's blind and hope that they all get healed. It's being obedient. What I see the Father do, that's what I do. What I hear the Father say, that's what I say. And so you and I, we can go around filled with the Holy Spirit, having revelation, knowing what the Father's saying, know, knowing where the Father's going, and being a true son, a true baraba, however you pronounce that, a true son of the Father. And that's really what that's all about, isn't it? Hey, check the time, see if I'm ever going to get invited back again. I've done all right. Thank you. Father, thank you for the beautiful Holy Spirit. Help us to treasure your Holy Spirit. Help us to um, be hungry for your word and thirsty for your spirit. To not love one above the other, but recognize that 
your word and your Holy Spirit work so powerfully together, revealing truth and guiding us into, um, into all that you have for us. And we learn to, to establish a lot, our life upon the revelation of your word and upon the work of the Holy Spirit. May we truly come more and more to understand what it means to be where the Father is and to say what the Father says and to be listening for the Holy Spirit to reveal more and more of what you're like and who you are and where you're going and, uh, and to be able to, at the right time, say the right things, to be able to bring your word into situations in our own life and in the lives of others. Lord, what a beautiful place to be. Thank you for your precious Holy Spirit. Thank you for your precious word. Lord, I pray that these things that we've shared this afternoon would just be an encouragement to us, would brew over in our hearts and minds, and that, Lord, we would experience many things that we can testify for your glory. Because, Lord, it it's flows out of your word and your spirit working in our life. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.